right, Justin, time to talk about everybody's favorite. It's real estate time, baby. So last week, obviously, we wrapped up uh, private equity, went into a little bit of a deep dive there. We teased out the fact we were going to come over to real estate today. So I know there's going to be, what, four four or 5,000 people listening this week. (laughs) But in all seriousness, real estate's a fantastic asset class, a huge wealth builder for a lot of people. And generally, I think just an interest of everybody. So this will be a lot of fun. We'll jump on in. Uh, We're going to talk about different ways to to invest in real estate, what we can actually expect, what where does the power of real estate actually come into play? And then we'll kind of get to the end. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the different ways that you can actually access real estate. And we might even do a follow-up episode of, of how to go about doing due diligence on those, on those investments. But as we get kicked off here, Justin, maybe just start to lay the land for us a little bit. Just would love to know, is the only way to invest in real estate to go buy a property and manage my manage it myself? Can I do it in the public markets? Just give me the lay of the land. Short answer is no. Actually, there, there are some great vehicles and there's a, a number of different vehicles in which you can invest either directly or indirectly within real estate. But a lot of real estate is actually held in vehicles that are called real estate investment trusts, REITs for short. And those are generally, they're not exclusively, but generally publicly traded. So you can go, they have a ticker or a QCIP if you want to get technical, just like a, a regular old stock does. And you can go to the market and, and buy a REIT. That REIT can represent a, a number of different underlying holdings. It could be specific to a specific area, uh, within real estate, whether it be industrial, commercial, office, residential, multifamily, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The, the list kind of goes on. So that's one way, right? That's the public market, common public market way. It's not the only public market way. REITs aren't, aren't the only things. There's some other nuances, but REITs by, by, by and large are the main way to get access in the public markets. There are big way you can get access in the private markets as well. But I think the most common assumption or a, uh, a familiarity, if you will, within investing in real estate in the private markets is is probably buying a, a piece of property yourself. There are also funds, which little teaser here, it's probably a little bit better to go the fund route because, you know, we we talk a lot here and on about on the podcast about diversification and one of the hurdles from a, from an analytical standpoint, if you will, or if you're, you're thinking about real estate, um, really from scratch is, is it's hard to get diversification, especially within the private market side of things. And we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm sure, uh, in the coming weeks, but you can go buy a property yourself. You could, you could bring together a, a number, a handful of investors in the, four or five of you go and buy a property together, or you can go to a fund. I mean, the, those are the most common ways, I think, in which you can get access to real estate, both in the public markets and the private markets. I think that's a great lay of the land. And one thing that I hear a lot when I'm talking with clients or just out there, right, is passive income. I want the passive income. It's a passive investment. Real estate's a passive investment. And I would love for us to spend at least a few minutes just talking about that, because I think you know, a lot of people think real estate's the only passive way to go about generating wealth. And when you start to actually think about it, like you just laid out, 
if most people are actually going out and buying a property, managing that property, trying to collect rents, hound down, I don't know how passive it's that not, is, not passive. Um, versus going and buying a, a position in equity or an ETF on the public markets, that's a heck of a lot more passive. Yeah. If you ask me, hit the button. Now you own uh, own equities in a bunch of different companies. So, you know, I think there's some nuance there, but why do people think that real estate is such passive income like is it is it just because you know you kind of set it and forget it once you get a renter in place in theory you just start to see this mailbox money these checks coming in i think so i think it has a lot to do with that i mean most real estate is is an income oriented asset meaning let's just say it's a multifamily apartment building and those those tenants pay rent or right. it's a, a retail uh, building or, or strip mall or something like that. The tenants, the those businesses are paying rent. Now you have expenses to, to, to deduct from that rent and hopefully those expenses are not more than the rent you're collecting. But it, it just kind of by the nature of real estate and how it operates as an asset, I think income is very much directly associated with that. However, you mentioned you alluded to and we, we're saying a lot of this with with tongue in cheek because it is a it's a very very common misconception and it doesn't mean real estate's a bad asset and really want to make sure we hit hit on that it's a very very good asset to hold in a well-diversified portfolio. It's not this only asset you should hold, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of misconceptions around real estate and this passive income piece of it is one of them. Because if you are doing it directly and maybe you have five, 10 properties even, and like starting to make an actual business out of it, there's a lot, it just kind of by the nature of what I'm saying, it's a business. There's a lot of work that's involved with it. I've never, I've never met anyone who actually says they like being a landlord either. And typically people get into a single property or two properties and, and really kind of uh, reconsider things. But I would say real estate first, kind of di to directly answer your question, real estate is a form of passive income, although Again, if you're doing it in the wrong way, it's actually a lot more work than I think people generally set out with a, uh, the idea of. Um, but investing overall, especially investing for the long term for your goals, et cetera, et cetera, that is all passive. It's all passive income. And it, we're not talking about active management versus passive management in this sense. I mean, there's some relations to that, but really in this, in the sense, and Brandon, you, you really alluded to it. You go buy it. Let's just say you go buy a stock in the very simplest example here. You go buy a stock on the, you know, go into your brokerage account, type in Apple as an example, or, or let's say JP Morgan's maybe a better example. JP Morgan pays you a dividend and guess what? You don't have to do anything for that. <laughs> you had to go into your brokerage account and hit buy, transaction happens and you get money into your account every time it pays a dividend, right? It's that is that is pure passive income, right? And so there are multiple avenues, multiple channels within a, a really well-built uh, investment portfolio that that passive income or passive growth, let's even redefine this as passive growth right. um, comes from, because that is that that's the better way to think about it. Yeah, and we're gonna get into that in a second here. You know, what types of returns should we expect? But I think you've alluded to it several times, so probably time to to start to put some clarification around this. But what are the different areas of real estate, right? We've got residential, we've got multifamily, commercial, industrial, maybe just give us like the one, two second 
explanation. Like, what are these different areas? Who are the competitors? Because this is still a pro's game, right? If you're, especially on the private side, if you want to come and compete here and really get the return that you deserve, I mean, there's there's a lot of diligence that goes into this. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked to a lot of very professional real estate investors uh, that have made a lot of wealth investing in real estate. And it is not simply the, well, I'm getting $1,000 a month in rent and my mortgage is 900 I'm in the black here, right? Like it's it's a pretty sophisticated way to go about it. So maybe just to find some of these these more common types of real estate and then also maybe the landscape of who you're competing against when you when you go to invest here. Sure. So like like you mentioned I've alluded to some of these residential and you you hit on quite a few as well. Residential, I mean the the names kind of are self-explanatory, but let's let's really define it. You know, residential from an investment standpoint it's not generally speaking just building one house. It's probably building a, a development of single family homes, multifamily, which is generally just a little teaser. It's kind of where we like to go within within private real estate specifically. But multifamily is something like uh, an apartment building that that has a number of different um, units in it. You know, ideally it's a decent size because you kind of just get built-in diversification through multifamily that way. Industrial, I think something like, I mean, industrial could be anything from industrial scientific to... Uh, like Amazon warehouse, yeah, right? Amazon warehouse, things of that nature. And you're playing with very large properties, generally speaking, within the industrial space. Again, th there's always different flavors of this, and you can find a small little industrial warehouse somewhere. But typically speaking, in the industrial, like really competitive, uh, good returning part of the market, it, it's um, it, it, there's some big players in that space. And then commercial, commercial, you have retail kind of as a subset within that, and then also office space. So we're in a, an office building right now that would follow on, fall under office, uh, office commercial in a sense. And yeah, I mean, to your point, I'll just touch on briefly the due diligence that's required. I was talking to, um, a friend who who is in the real estate space actually yesterday and it's getting boots on the ground. It's looking at the actual quality of that, the asset. Do we have? If we buy this, do we have to put a significant amount of money into it to bring it up to code? What about the environmental regulations on, on it? Um, th this particular property actually had some issues that they were going to have to potentially put in a million and a half to two million dollars to get it back up to to code. Essentially, now the pr purchase price was potentially attractive enough for them to even consider that. Don't know if it's going to happen, but just kind of to give you to give you some flavor, you got to go through all the lease the leases that are that are existing in place on that property. You can't, it's, it depends on where you are and what the, the, the tenant protections are, but you can't just come into a property that is a clean slate unless it is completely new construction. So, which we'll touch on too, like phase of phase of real estate and whatnot as well. So just a little bit of a flavor on, on all of those things. I think that's really helpful. And as, as we can tell here, I think this is definitely going to be a multi-episode <laughs> deal because we haven't even touched on, uh, how do you calculate returns? How do you do due diligence? But, you know, I do think a good place maybe for us to spend a little time as, as we likely wrap up here to keep it, keep it within time is what type of return. And I'm speaking mostly obviously on the private market side, but if I'm going to go invest in private market real estate, I want to make sure as an investor, I'm getting what I deserve. And I think this is where people get tripped up quite a bit, but 
how should you look at that? What should you deserve if you're going to tie up your money, you're going to put the effort into doing the due diligence on a property specifically, or maybe even a fund? We've got, we haven't even hit on how to do that yet. But, you know, broadly speaking, how do you start to construct an equivalent of like, hey, I deserve 10% or 12 or whatever it might be, but how do you get to that number? Well, certainly when you, you, you alluded to it, it depends on the stage and the risk and all that, that stuff. But there are actually real, really well constructed sources out there to, to get some, somewhat of a, a ballpark or a approximate expectation. I, I just pulled it up. So Cambridge Associates is a big research provider within the pub or private market, uh, arena, both private equity, venture capital, real estate as well. They put together a private real estate index. And just to give some some flavor of, of numbers here, over the last 10 years, their index has done 11.27% over 20-year period of time. It's a little bit less, 7.68 or 7.88, excuse me, 25 years is 8.12. So it's been a good last decade for yeah. real estate, but real estate in general is not the best performing asset class. I think that's another um, misconception that, that happens out there. The other piece of it is it's really important is, and it, this is very much specific to a deal or a property or an asset is real estate is very conducive to using leverage on. Yeah. And that really changes your return profile or can really change your return profile and, and, and risk profile for that sure. matter, right? Risk and return are related. So that's a big thing to keep in mind. Real estate, a lot of returns within real estate do come from that, that leverage component. What I mean, le let, let's be super clear here. What I mean by leverage is everyone here is, or most people listening is familiar with a mortgage. That is leverage on an asset. You are borrowing money to purchase a property and real estate it's very much conducive to that type of transaction, which can help returns, but can also hurt returns. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it can be done very safely. Right. And I think the equivalent and just to put some perspective is I think most people would think it would be absolute. Well, not everybody, but most people would think it'd be ridiculous to take out a loan and go invest in the stock market. Right. Right. But that's essentially what you're doing in real estate. And, you know, you've got the backing of the property if things go poorly, et cetera, but things do occasionally go poorly. And so you want to make sure that you're right sizing mm -hmm. your, your debt when you're going to purchase a property. But in reality, that is what's going to generate a big part of your return within real estate. So it's definitely on the evaluation table. There's no, totally. no doubt about yep. that. Right. So if, if those types of returns are what, for instance, uh, that benchmark, those are average returns. So it doesn't mean, you know, you go buy a property, you're going to get that return every time, right? You want to make sure to build out a portfolio. You want to make sure that you're hopefully getting at least that or looking at even the public market equivalents. Like we talked about, you can invest in the in the public markets and real estate. So let me look at what that return has been. And if it's been 8% over the last 10 years and I'm tying up my money, I want what's called an illiquidity premium. I want it. I deserve, right, to get a little bit more because I'm tying up my money. So maybe I'm looking for 10%, for instance. But I think you have to go through that exercise, right, when you're putting your models together to figure out, hey, is this a property worth investing in? Yeah. So it's not simply just going and covering some of the expenses, covering the mortgage, et cetera, right? right.
Well, Justin, that was a lot of fun. We got a lot of follow-up still to this episode. I think we're going to have to get into some due diligence. How are we going to go about this process? You know, if we're looking at a fund, if we're looking at a property, we've talked about, you know, maybe the return that we actually have to achieve, but definitely warrants a a follow-up here. But as we close out, just want to remind everybody, you can shoot me a text. I'm sure there'll be lots of questions coming out of this. We got more real estate coming. So shoot me a text at 602-704-5574. We'll get to all those questions and definitely look forward to to that follow-up. But until next time, own your wealth, make an impact, and always be a pro. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.